You're stupid too as I You're stupid too as I You'll never live You'll never die Hey everybody, welcome back to the Better Off Dead Minute Podcast, the podcast where we analyze the movie Better Off Dead, one accidental disrobing at a time. I'm Curtis Blaze from thesacknews.com. And I'm Jason Hummel from Mondo Confidential. Today we are examining Minute 33, which starts with Lane trying to convince Chris Kremens to go on a date with him, and ends with Lane standing on a bridge. Tell us all about this minute, Curtis. Nothing would make me happier, Jason. In the previous minute, Lane decided he was going to attempt to date cheerleader and girlfriend of the basketball team, Chris Crummins. As minute 33 begins, Lane is standing in line behind Chris, trying to convince her that because they both skate, they should also date. At 32 minutes and 17 seconds, Lane badly attempts to skate back out of the food line and inadvertently tears Chris's dress completely off of her body. At 32 minutes and 28 seconds, the basketball team comes to Chris's rescue, and it is implied that they beat Lane up. At 32 minutes and 35 seconds, we see Lane getting into his car while nursing his busted-up face. At 32 minutes and 42 seconds, Beth drives by with Mr. Curver, who waves at Lane with a tiny smile and twinkle in his eye. The minute ends on an ominous note with Lane clinging to the outside edge of a bridge, preparing to fling himself into the abyss and end it all. Have you noticed that this cafeteria is like an all-dessert cafeteria? Yeah, cake, ice cream, pudding, jello, juice. (laughs) Well, is juice a dessert, really? (laughs) Crapping all over my one contribution to the conversation. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) No, it's a good point. It's a fair point. I was not able to spot anybody just eating normal food. Wait a minute. Was there a fried chicken earlier? I didn't see one. No, no. It was just all desserts. Desserts, yeah. It must have been all desserts. I get the feeling Savage Steve Holland planned his movies out in a way that allowed him to do what he wanted. Oh, yeah. Like his first movie is, I want to be at a ski resort eating nothing but cake. (laughs) <laughs> His second movie is I want to be at Nantucket On a boat On a boat <laughs> It seems like Lane's plan Aside from eating lots of desserts Like everybody else in this movie And there's an element of making it up as he goes Which I appreciate It's very Indiana Jones of him <laughs> Is to Show Chris that he is also a skater And go skating with her Yeah But he's obviously not a skater. Well, why is she? Hmm. Let's break down this girl's day. She goes to school. She's a cheerleader. She dates the basketball team. And she's got roller skates. So she's mobile. Roller skates are hard to get off. Yeah. Regardless of whatever her deal is, Lane's idea was that they could start a skating team. Yeah. If it was like in the late 70s, he would have just said, let's go to a roller disco. But no, it's like she skates... She dates the basketball team, so skating team. Click. You know? (laughs) He's a jerk. (laughs) I want to talk about the guy with the fork. Yeah, with the big, like, Terminator shades. The Terminator with a fork. (laughs) The Forkinator. (laughs) There you go. The Forkinator. Here to be Bach. They must have just had such fun filming this, this movie. Oh, yeah. These scenes. Holland definitely let everybody have a chance to shine in the background. 
Yeah. Think about the characters he's given us. Skater Kid. Skater Boy, is it called? No, that's... Roller Boy. Roller Boy. That's an Avril Lavigne song. Roller Boy. <laughs> Terminator Fork Guy. Debbie Harry Girl. Michael Jackson's Roller Coat Wearing Pat Benatar Clone Mascot. <laughs> the uh, Beret Girl. The Checkered Vest. Checkered Vest Guy. And going back to previous scenes, we had, you know, Jumping Up and Down Beard Guy. Yeah, the... Look at me. I'm in a movie. <laughs> Roy's henchman. It's almost as if every extra was given a like a background sheet, a background story on themselves. Yeah. Here, act within these parameters. You're this guy. Yeah. You're the guy that looks like Angus Young. Okay, well, if we accept that premise, Terminator Fork guy, what's his background sheet say? <laughs> you are the Terminator. <laughs> no. Oh, you're the Forkinator. Forkinator. You How must, did I forget that? You must eliminate Sarah Connor with a fork. <laughs> Otherwise, Skynet will never exist. Wouldn't he fork Sarah Connor? <laughs> yeah. He must eliminate... Okay, okay, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the guy obviously just wants cake. Yeah. And Lane's standing in his way. <laughs> I must have my cake. I think the ba- I think the notes to every single person in this scene are, you are this person, this is your background, and you're annoyed with Lane. <laughs> or you're, or you're, you're just completely mind-boggled by Lane. Or you find him hilarious. <laughs> when he throws the, is that the last minute where he throws the dollar at the uh, guy with the roller skates? Yeah. It is. We didn't even talk about that yesterday, did we? I th- a little bit. He was like... Here, buy yourself a new leotard. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone at the table like cracks up at that line. Yeah. Like they were maybe just making it up as they went and that struck them as funny and Holland got it in the edit bay and was like, ah, oh, good enough. Yeah. Yeah. I think high school kids would really laugh at that, so I'm leaving it. Yeah. Even though it was clearly just extras cracking up. Yeah. So the Forkinator, what's his dessert of choice? Is he a cake guy? I would say cake, probably. He's kind of beefy. Cake doesn't strike me as beefy guy food. Not even the f- triple-decker, quadruple-decker cake? Well, okay. Ricky is dangerously obese. I think yes. we can. I think we can safely say that. Yes. Dangerously obese is quadruple-decker cake. <laughs> beefy guy is like third helping of beef and noodles. Ah, yeah. But he's just got the fork. Just the fork <laughs> that he's holding up. Yeah. You kind of wonder if he's going to, like, just walk around, like, stealing off people's plates, just, like, forking a nice little handful. Maybe he doesn't even go to the school. (laughs) Maybe he's just the guy with the fork. (laughs) He's just out walking the fork. (laughs) I'm taking my fork for a walk. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, keep it down in there. Fork you. (laughs) Fork you. Two dollars. Oh, see, we can't say two dollars. Not kidding. Oops. <laughs> now I have now I have beeping to do. Thank you for that. <laughs> so Lane utterly fails to get a date with Chris. Doesn't even get it started. She's just like you're a jerk. <laughs> Burns up on the launch pad. So how does this lunch line work? Somehow she walks out with lunch. Somehow he gives up and gets out of line to get out of the way of the Forkinator and leaves the line before her. 
oh, she's got her milk. She's got to pay for it, right? Yeah. Yet somehow she makes it out in front of him so that he can trip and fall and pull her dress off. Hmm. By the way, cut the date night underwear on, Chris. Yes. Yeah, she's rocking the Victoria's Secret-like level underwear. These high schoolers are all strangely 28. (laughs) Jason, I reviewed the minute. She does leave before him, substantially before him. Somehow this line goes to a dead end, and then when people have what they want, they leave back out behind the line. <laughs> which would just be the worst. No one would, no one would plan their cafeteria that way. It's just cafeteria anarchy, man. So she gets out in front of him. He trips, and he pulls her dress off. A couple of things about this shot. One. <laughs> two. Everybody around... No one reacts. There's one guy that kind of like gives her a glance, but then keeps going. (laughs) Is everyone just that sensitive to her privacy? Yeah, you'd think, you know, she's like one of the resident babes. You'd think everybody would be like drinking it in, you know. Banking it for later? Yeah. (laughs) Yet nothing. And then the magical dress. Somehow from one shot to the another, the dress goes from being around her ankles to completely off. Like she almost had to step out of it. Well, you never, I, I, you know, I watched this and I thought, oh, that's a movie mistake. But now that I'm thinking about it, maybe she stepped out on purpose just to compound the pain interest that Lane is building up. <laughs> that he's earning, that he's earning from the basketball team. The pain bank. Oh my God. So let me ask you this. You are suddenly exposed in public. Yes. You're a guy. Mm-hmm. Your hands probably go straight to your junk. Yeah. Like I'm going to cover up the junk. It doesn't matter if you're embarrassed about it or not. It's just a reflex. Yeah. Your hands don't go straight up in the air to show everyone your junk. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. You're, 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 crossing, you're, crossing the, uh, you're crossing the body with the hands and getting things covered up. Yeah. Chris, however, hands up in the air and screams to draw attention. Now yeah. the scream, she's startled. She's freaked out. She's embarrassed. Understandable. Hands straight up in the air, that, doesn't, that just doesn't seem protective to me. Yeah. Maybe it's her cheerleader jeans, or, well, I guess her cheerleader panties. <laughs> so underneath of Greendale's cheerleader outfit, then, is not a pair of tights, but just panties. Very silken, very satiny. So when they're out on the, on the floor doing their cheers, must be a very popular cheerleading squad. Yeah, especially when they're doing the cartwheels. <laughs> You're way too into this. <laughs> So I love the point of view shot that happens next where it's supposed to be Lane and all of the guys are reaching towards his face. Yeah, like they're going to palm his face like a basketball. Yeah, right? Is that a <laughs> basketball uh, fight and move? <laughs> the face palm. The face palm. <laughs> if you were practicing basketball kung fu, what would be your moves? <laughs> you would have the face palm. Yes, the face palm. Yes. The double dribble. The layup. <laughs> And then the finishing move, traveling. (laughs) (laughs) So when they palm his face, he ends up with a bloody nose and a black eye. Yep. How does that work? If we were reenacting that, we are four guys, four guys? Was it four or five? Wait, well, five. It's a whole team. Well, yes, but while there are five people on the team, where were they all at at the table? Hmm. Wait a minute. Beans, carrots, peas, peas, and a second peas. That was four, right? 
Hmm. I thought there were five. Oh, the beans. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Carrots, peas, broccoli. Broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> the basketball players were peas, beans, broccoli, and another pea. That's only four still. Oh, and carrots. Yes. Carrots. Don't forget beans, the carrots. <laughs> carrots, beans, peas, broccoli, and another peas. Okay, there was five. Yes. <laughs> so we got five people all palming him right now. How would there be enough purchase for ten hands? Especially ten basketball hands on one little guy's face. <laughs> what is? How does that move end? Are they just picking him up by his face, do you suppose? Hmm. It kind of looks like they dribble him. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. You're probably right. They're dribbling him. (laughs) So after the basketball team gets done dribbling him, we cut outside. He's got a bloody nose. He's got a black eye. His face hurts. He's got a headache, obviously. Yeah. And we see Beth with Mr. Kerber in a beetle driving by. (laughs) Yes. With a license plate that says Code R. Yeah. We never did quite figure out what that means. Other than we uh, we found a 70s like action rescue show called Code R. Right. Was he in it? Do you think that's the connection? <laughs> I wouldn't think so, but maybe it was his favorite show. <laughs> maybe it was Steve's favorite show. Yeah. Code R. That movie, movie, TV show was 1977. Yes. So it would have been... Eight years old at that point. Yeah. There's no way it survived more than a season, right? I would say. Code R was a 1977 action-adventure television series that aired from January 1 to June 10, 1977. It was run off the air, tarred and feathered by the Donnie Donnie and Marie show on one channel and a combination of Sanford and Son and Chico and the Man on the other. When you look at the competition, really, there was no choice. No there was way. There was no chance for this thing. No. It must just be like Holland's. It must just be some obscure reference that Holland wanted to do. Thought yeah. it would be a funny. Yeah. Either that or like. Or someone actually owned a Beetle. That said Kodar. <laughs> I don't know. It could be one of those inside jokes that only he would get. Until the internet. Until the rise of the internet. Yeah. And the Forkinators. <laughs> I don't know if you notice this. Beth's face when she drives by. She's just mortified. Okay, what is that? Now, I'm noticing this every time now. Every time Beth comes by and Lane is in the scene, she looks either disgusted, mortified. I mean, what is she? Is she embarrassed? Is she remorseful? Is she sad? Is she, which is another word for remorseful, I guess. Is she... Angry? What's... Hmm. In this one, she looks like she's going to throw up. Yeah. But there could be a bunch of reasons for that. Yeah. The fact that she's being caught with the the teacher. Well, yeah, that's weird, too, because she is still actively dating Roy, right? Yeah. I mean, she's clearly into Roy. Have we done the Barney Rubble thing yet? No. Have we done the Mailman thing yet? No. Okay, so this is the first time that she is not true to Roy. Right. And it's Mr. Kerber. Yeah. Or as the guys at the Indiana Jones Minute would say, Dare Kerber. <laughs> Dare Kerber. <laughs> the, the Care Bear? Oh, my God. <laughs> she does, though. She honestly looks like she's getting ready to throw up. Yeah. Is that because 
she's disgusted by Lane or disgusted by the fact that she's with Mr. Kerber. Mr. Kerber is certainly happy. Oh, yeah. Gives a jaunty little wave to Lane. Mr. Meyer. How many minutes ago was that? Several. (laughs) Several meaning ten or several meaning three, but it's been a month for us. Yeah. Something like that. (laughs) Yeah. You know, maybe that's something we should talk about. We just took a month off. Yes. We didn't really take a month off, though. What we really did was just sit down and write. Yes. If anyone's listening to this, and I know at least three of you are, and you're planning on doing a minutes, a movie by minutes podcast, take your time. Get it done right. Oh, my God. We, we didn't really address this when we came back yesterday. Now it's, oh, God, I forgot what day it is. Wednesday? Today's Wednesday. Yes. We've been off the air for a month. Almost exactly. Is that about right? Yeah. And during that time, we've just been writing, writing, writing. Writing like a fiend. Like fiends. Writing fiends. And now we're back. Hopefully we're better. (laughs) Did you miss us? We were really running into a situation where we weren't going to be able to keep doing a daily podcast anymore with our busy lives. So we needed to get more run-up going. Now, it's still accurate that we are recording almost right before we air yes we are completely up to date on the news like right now if you're listening to this we are one day behind you (laughs) because we're recording for the next day so we're still going to have that immediacy but i think instead of taking 10 hours a day now it'll only take a half hour (laughs) (laughs) anyway uh uh, getting back to the minute i i'm done with this minute you got anything else jason uh-uh. Anything else I got right now, you probably have to bleep. Oh, you know what? We didn't talk about the fact that we've got another Stanley Kubrick musical minute. Yes. Sting. The Kubrickian sting. As the minute ends and Lane prepares to hurl himself into the abyss. Yeah, it's a particularly ominous sting. It really is dark. I mean, that tracking shot that they do and the look on his face and the music... You know, there really, there really would be room in an alternative world where this is a, a dark movie. Yeah. Diane Franklin, the other day on Twitter, was talking about, I think, I'm pretty sure she was joking. I mean, I don't know her. But on Twitter, she was saying that she would like to see a Better Off Dead remake starring her daughter as Monique. Yes. Did you catch that? Oh, yeah. Imagine something with a tone like River's Edge or Brick. Or <laughs> SFW. Oh, yeah. Only Better Off Dead. Would that play out? Would, is that a movie to, that you think you'd watch? I would give it a shot, definitely. Would it be weird? Would it be marketed as a gritty reboot of Better Off Dead? Do we need more gritty reboots? <laughs> you know what? I bet I just invented this. Gritty reboots of comedies. <laughs> Imagine it. Name a comedy. Uh, airplane. I think that's already Airport 77. (laughs) How about a comedy that's not already a parody of a gritty... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Caddyshack. Caddyshack. Okay. The story is Danny. Noonan. And he's trying to earn enough money to go to college. But he's from a poor family. And he knocked his girlfriend up. There are two rich guys vying for control of his soul. 
Yeah, the surrogate father figures. One guy is just trying to be wise. One guy is just trying to be his Jiminy Cricket and help him make his way through life. And the other guy will give him everything he wants as long as he doesn't care what he does for him. As the movie progresses, Danny journeys deeper and deeper into the darkness of Al Chervik's world. And, of course, you've got the uh, mentally unbalanced uh, groundskeeper stalking around as well. (gasps) Okay, something about that. There's the gopher. Have you read Stephen King's Night Shift Tale, Lawnmower Man? Yes. Greasy, grimy gopher guts? (laughs) Not the movie that had to buy the rights to the story in order to use the name, but the actual character that crawls around on his belly naked behind the lawnmower eating the chopped up animals that it kills. Yeah. We should work out a script. (laughs) I think it could be another DC cinematic masterpiece. (laughs) Ooh, DC. So sorry, DC. So sorry. Okay, well. Lane's going to commit suicide. I got nothing else. Is this the one where Charles comes up behind him and is riding up behind him? Yes. I guess we'll find out what happens tomorrow when Charles reaches him. Same bat time, same bat channel. Don't forget to leave us a voicemail or a text at 712-830-7373. And guys, serious. You're listening to the podcast. Take one second to help us out. We don't ask for money. We don't ask for love. All we want is a five-star review. One five-star review. 30 seconds of your time. We'll beg. No problem. (laughs) Please join us tomorrow for the Better Off Dead Minute podcast. Minute, uh, I've lost track. 34. 34. 34. He's Jason. And he is Curtis. Good night.